All right. Welcome to Movie Left, a movie and television review podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo, uh, joined here by my uh, co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? How you feeling? And we are back. This is the first time I think we've done Movie Left Review podcast in, God, a couple months. Uh, coronavirus has... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we've been... Uh, a bit behind on our regular schedule due to a uh, global crisis. <laughs> uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, I, we're recording this in the morning. Well, at least early <laughs> afternoon, which is the morning to me, because uh, when you stay up till 5 a.m. drinking every night, that's your life, right? Yeah. So, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Um, Waco. <laughs> What a what a fun what a fun romp of a mini series. Definitely ends on a high note. Light light watching, light viewing for your if you're if you're stressed out, this is definitely the thing to watch and it won't at all upset you. <laughs> yeah, I mean so, the, the, the the last the last five minutes, you're just like, somebody say something. The last five minutes has no dialogue, and you're just like, could somebody fucking say a goddamn word? It's so brutal. It's so brutal. <laughs> it's, it's so brutal. Is, yeah, it, it, you just you're left bereft by this series, as yeah. you should be. There's yeah. just no way to like tell this story in a way that makes you feel good about anything. This is like a, a, a and, and I mean it's, it's amazing because like this came out on like Paramount streaming, which or whatever. Like well, I didn't the even know that television was a, network in in, to, in, to, in 2018. Yeah. Uh, formerly Spike TV, now it's Paramount. Yeah, it, it came. It was, it was very, uh, <clears throat> not a small release, but I mean, it just kind of came out of nowhere. And I actually remember watching it at the time it aired and like kind of singing its praises to you, but there was no way to really watch it at that point because it was just on right. you know, Spike TV. But now that uh, it was released on Netflix, it kind of got the Netflix bump where everyone all of a sudden kind of discovered it almost as if it was like, a Netflix Brand original, new. yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't even heard heard of it, you know. And mm-hmm. honestly, I was, you know, I'm not gonna spike TV. Like, who, who is? Yeah. I don't have cable, right? So, uh, yeah, no. I, I like many others watched this and was uh, very impressed. Uh, you know, it, it's not. It's like one of those things where it doesn't. It didn't have to be this good mm-hmm. by any means. Like, it didn't have to be really really fucking good but it was like people put time into trying to make this the best it could be uh you know and it shows and it shows and there's moments where you're just like i don't know who the fuck side to be on there's moments where you're just like oh these crazy christians you know and their guns they're just <laughs> a bunch of fucking you know animals or whatever and you're like no they're, they're, they really weren't um you know, I know people that are like, oh, the Ruby Ridge crazy fuckers, they were just a bunch of... And it's like, no, no, that that, that guy, uh, his family got murdered uh, because of a, a minor weapons violation that yeah. he skipped out on a bench warrant for, you know. And, yeah. oh, the FBI, they're all a bunch of fucking pieces. You know, like, no, Michael Shannon fucking, like, does an amazing job making you empathize with, you know, the kind of... Uh, response that you would hope that law enforcement would engage in, the, but the people who are drawn to things doesn't. like FBI, like hostage negotiator, people that are drawn to those positions right. rather than like the fucking jackboots that are drawn to like the HRT uh, lead guys like position, the the fucking you know crew cut guy who is leading the tactical response team. Um, Big gym coach energy. 
big uh, Very, football yeah. <laughs> football coach Very energy from so. that guy. Yeah, um, yeah, it, yeah. His his moment at the end where he's just like, "Why aren't they coming out?" It's like, "Because uh, you fucking collapsed the fucking roof and they can't get yeah, through the door." You, what did you real. think was gonna happen? You fuck nut. Yeah, so I mean, you know, and we're and we'll talk about the series and how it was made and stuff like that. But uh, you know, just and again about the generalized uh, events of of Waco and of Ruby Ridge. It's like uh, people. It, it's tough because there people. I think t- tend to be very, you know, um, it, partisan. I'm not talking politically necessarily, but just partisan in the way they view any event. Like, oh well, obviously there has to be a good guy and has to be a bad guy. It's like, no, nah, not really. I mean, you know, like Waco. You know, the the the, the feds were completely thuggish, completely unnecessarily harassing these people. Now that being said, David Crush himself. By all accounts, not a great guy, uh, you know, had child brides. But a lot of the people who were there just kind of, you know, were there because he sure. spoke to that. You know, he could he could be a, a, a hypocritical, you know, uh, religious figure. But at the same time, there were a lot of good, decent people that, you know, bought into oh, his yeah. bullshit yeah. who, who well, were there. What was, the, what was the name of the actor that portrayed him in the series? I, f- I forget his name. Uh, T- Taylor Kitsch was uh, David Koresh in the series. Yeah, and, and did an amazing job at portraying really a guy who was extremely alluring and manipulative and controlling at the same time. So it's like you totally mm-hmm. get why all these people are there because they're just like, well, this guy's fucking a real prophet that's what they believe that they didn't believe that there was a jesus and he was the second coming they believe that david koresh was the first coming of christ right so on top of being yeah yeah, on top of being uh just a a a guy who was extremely charismatic they they truly believed this was christ the -hmm. first time right Christ with aviator glasses and a fucking guitar right (laughs) so you know and and by and large people that join cults are you know, even even a lot of just regular mainstream Christian sects are people that are very, you know, they feel cast out, they feel, uh, you know, abandoned, and here's this guy scooping them up and saying, you're one of my disciples. Like, okay, come live with Texas. me, come be a part of this community, <laughs> right? come, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me cuck your wife, and here's a machine gun. <laughs> like, let's fucking do like, it. Because <laughs> right? in a lot of ways, it's actually like a really, like, nice agrarian almost communistic society minus the weird christy you know i'm gonna take all your wives shit like if you just look at the the way they're living where they're all kind of just making shit for each other and like you know it, yeah. it, it's it's not a bad way to live it minus you know the 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 other shit that like goes along with being a part of a cult sure. but the, the, the compound is a little mini society it's a little commune it's a little little occupy habitat you know and and apparently uh burns up the minute you drop a fucking match so yeah. uh it's, it's they, they it's built it themselves much... so you know i could i could imagine the shoddy uh insulation and fireproofing that was done oh they probably had no insulation i mean it's well, yeah, exactly like there was yeah. probably no insulation in those walls That's true. but yeah i mean just it, tinder dude, boxes just, the 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 notion that any sort of you know rural right wing aligned person building a building that isn't essentially just like a, a glorified pole barn is apparently beyond the means of 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 human technology down there and not not to begrudge them but you know when you hear like Donald Trump say oh we need to have a a a, a mandate that all new government buildings will be 
uh, built in like a Greek Corinthian column esque. You know, it's like, what have you seen the shit that right wing people they build <laughs> compounds that look like they're you know a bunker with fluorescent lighting and poles in the middle of the room for no reason. Like, this is their fucking aesthetic, yeah. <laughs> honestly. It's not Greek anything. It's fucking, uh, like, there's a barn, chic. and we fucking poured concrete for the floor, and there's a fucking <laughs> yoga mat on top of it, and that's the best we're doing. And then we have the gun locker, okay? Like, yeah. that's just what we're doing. Yeah. So, you know, the series itself, I really, uh, like you said, it, it had no business being as good as it was. Uh, it really was, it, it felt more like a movie than a miniseries. And that was be- probably, be- I actually did some research on the, the making of the series itself. Uh, and the two brothers, the Dowdle brothers who wrote it, uh, initially wrote it as a screenplay. And it ended up being about 150 pages, which, you know, for non- well-known screenwriter uh, is basically the kiss of death for trying to get something made. So, right. you know, they, they kind of, what do you think they, you score? Sacy, get the fuck yeah, out exactly. of here. <laughs> Cause right. uh, you know, you, you basically a minute, a page is the kind of Hollywood standard. So 150 right. minute movie is not getting made by some random no name. So they, uh, they shortened it to a, a screenplay length and shopped it around and eventually got picked up um, by the Weinstein company, ironically. Uh, and the, the yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, ironic that Harvey Weinstein would want to make a movie about a, uh, a a guy who's a statutory rapist, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but but uh, hey, I know the... what sells in this town, kid. Yeah. yeah uh. <laughs> oh man, this this guy's great. I don't know what everyone's problem with him was. No. Uh, but hey, this story's uh, right in itself. I don't know what everyone has a problem with this Koresh guy. Seems like a fucking decent chap, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess what once the production company kind of got a hold of it, they're like, "Yeah, this will work better as a miniseries." So they kind of just turned it yeah. into a like a three and a half hour movie or whatever. It ended up working out too. So, um, you know, it, it uh, like we said, aired in the Paramount Network, uh, and then what came to Netflix. And the thing that really I think elevates this, uh, you know, above the typical kind of uh, basic cable like prestige-esque kind of fair where, where it can kind of go either way um is the cast i think like you look at yeah um you know taylor kitsch's david koresh is unbelievable and he's somebody that has not done a ton of movies i don't know if he just doesn't have a great agent but everything he's been in i've fucking loved him in like he's great in this he was really good for the brief time he was in uh true detective season two uh, you know, as kind of the third, uh, third main cop that they're focusing on. He, um, he was great. Absolutely great. in Friday night lights as Tim Riggins. That's probably where most people would remember him from, uh, which is a weirdly like really good series. Even if you don't like football or Texas or any of those, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's just a I really mean, good fucking I just se- like, like both those drama. things because of each other. So sure. Yeah. Sure. But no, it's a great, I, I, like, prestige, like, high school drama, sure. you know. But um, I, yeah, I think you yeah. need an actor who is not extremely recognizable yeah, to play this role. for sure. You know, you need a guy that looks like Koresh, which he, he does quite a bit. Um, you know, you need sort of a blank canvas for this. Um, it would have been weird if Leo DiCaprio was David Koresh in the series. Yeah, like, you're weird. just like, what is he doing? Why is he cosplaying? Why is he wearing this horrible wig? Yeah. You know, and obviously the other major role in this is michael shannon who we've you know everyone recognizes him mm-hmm. um but it, like we don't know the guy he's playing so it kind of doesn't Correct. matter yeah right 
So he's, he's got, got an everyman face too. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and he's played cops before. I, I mean, I one of my favorite roles he's ever done was from uh, the 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 Fixie Bike Messenger cop heist movie. God, what the fuck was that called? Um, Premium Rush. Yeah, yeah, yeah Premium Rush, where he it, just plays yeah. this completely unhinged cop who's chasing <laughs> a, a a fucking New York City bike messenger. For no reason, like it's just purely like a MacGuffin in an envelope, and we don't even know what the fuck it is, and no one remembers after the movie. But he's got just, just he's just literally there's this there's a scene. I mean, pretty much the whole movie, he's chasing this fucking bike messenger, and he's driving his car, and fucking, you know, he just at one moment just says the line out loud to himself, "I'm chasing a guy on a bike." <laughs> it's just like he totally fucking sells it. And you're like, yeah, this is the absurdity of this scene. And he, in character, has that line of the movie and, and fucking nails it. You know, he's great. He's and he, Yeah, he's, he's a really great, uh, really underrated actor. Just anytime you see him in something, he's just top notch. Um, you know what's really funny? I saw, I was watching the other day, uh, Groundhog Day, which is, you know, just all-time great comedy. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know when the last time you've seen it is, but uh, have you watched it somewhat recently? Oh, probably not for 10, years. 15 years, but it's like every time you see a GIF or a meme, you're yeah, kind of yeah. like, oh, I just watched that. Like, no, you, yeah. you just you saw a single image from the thing. So, and it's so burned he's in your it brain because it's like the same scene, like, you know, 30 times over. But um, yeah, no. So I was watching it and there's that scene where he goes to... um where he's trying to impress uh uh that Rita and like he goes and he gives uh the newlywed tickets to WrestleMania. Do you remember that? Like where where no. like the, and and, <laughs> and actually the like he's trying to like just he's like uh you know try to impress Rita. This is when he was playing the piano and like the in at that like dance or whatever. I remember the uh, piano. Okay. So in that scene he gives this newlywed couple uh tickets to WrestleMania. And the the guy is actually Michael Shannon. It was his first ever movie, and I'm looking at him like that's fucking Michael Shannon. He's like 15 was years. He, was he so, like 15 years old? Right? Well, he was like yeah, he was probably like 20, but it was so bizarre. I was like, holy shit, that's Michael Shannon. Um, no. No, I'm gonna but, have to go back and watch that now. Yeah, he really plays it up too. Really hams it up in that scene. But uh, no, it was great. Uh, yeah, he's great in this. He plays Gary Nessner, who's the actual uh, FBI agent who was negotiating with Koresh and. The the show itself is uh, an adaptation of two books, uh, Gary Nessner's book and David Thibodeau's book. Thibodeau is the you know the the kid the the Culkin brother who um, was brought into the brought into the compound early on. He plays drums with Koresh in that opening scene, and he's kind of a almost a silent observer. He's there kind of more for the sense of community rather than being like a re- religious fundamentalist. Right, um, right, and he, he's also you know essentially he is the audience who's you know yeah being exactly. introduced into the whole thing and is kind of like I don't know I mean I'm not really into the crazy cult it's just like I'm estranged from my mother and I like playing drums <laughs> and you know like okay here's a cute girl I can marry but can't have sex with like surely all we can can all relate to that right <laughs> so uh no he but again like d- does a way better job than needed to be done right at, yeah. at oh, making you give a shit about you know where he is and what's going on and you're like okay he's a sip guy like he doesn't have a lot of 
wants or ambitions. You know, none of these people do. Koresh does, but he clearly is just like, eh, I'm content. You know, like this is good enough life for me. You know, I'm not, I'm not some, you know, uh, crazy disciple gun nut. I'm just here. I'm just hanging out, you know? Yeah. And just, you know, does, does a great job with a lot of these, a lot of these scenes of dialogue where they're, they're connecting just on a human level with each other, just as the people who are the branch Davidians, um, you know, not a lot of complaints. Obviously, some of the there's a couple scenes with just you know between the women they have complaints because of the you know sort of uh, polygamy aspects of of their cult. But a lot of the scenes with the guys are just kind of like, hey, we're just hanging out. You know, like what's what's your story? Why are we here? Kind of a thing. Um, and it really it really resonates. Like you really feel for these people. Uh, you know, and then when shit hits the fan, you're just like, fuck, those, th- these are all nice guys. Like, these are all nice yeah. people. Like, none of these people deserve this shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And, um, yeah, he, he did a great job. Uh, you know, he really, uh, Rory Culkin, by the way, was the Culkin brother. His name I couldn't think of. They, everyone except for Macaulay seems to have gone on to have like a huge, like, adult career and he's just got so much fucking home it's alone money that he's just like fuck you i don't right? have to do anything you know curse of the child actor you get yeah. hooked on drugs and you lose it all like i don't where'd all my money go oh you spent it all on meth like fuck why didn't the money come back yeah. well you didn't you haven't acted in 25 years what I, no well, his other brother is on like uh what's that fucking show uh succession he's like one of the main characters on succession the other culture which i haven't watched so i have no idea who he is or what his name is same same (laughs) um but yeah so uh you know they all did a great job um so yeah the the movie the show is based on gary nestner's book and david thibodeau's book so you get uh, a great perspective on kind of each aspect of it you get you you kind of see the human side of the branch davidians uh, while also at the same time, as we kind of talked about seeing the, the, the machinations of Koresh and like the way he was, you know, a really nice and personable guy, but also manipulative in a lot of ways, a lot of subtle ways. Um, and, uh, and then you also get to see, uh, from Gary Nestor's point of view, the, you know, the, his attempts to resolve this peaceably without turning it into another Ruby Ridge situation and his struggle with, uh, you know, the, the jackboot types who are trying to, you know, the tactical team, uh, mm-hmm. led by, uh, Mitch Decker was the name of the character. I think it, that wasn't the actual FBI guy's name. They I, you probably sued them to not use his real name, but, um, but, the, but he, but, uh, Gary Nestor said that, yeah, that was very true to life. The, the, the constant back and forth he would have with them where they would just be, on completely different pages, he would tell Koresh one thing and they would do a completely different thing. It was just, you know, it, it completely ruined his credibility when he was trying to negotiate uh, because they would just constantly and intentionally undermine him, which is something that, you know, right wing uh, types love to fucking do when, it, you know, fascistic types love to do when it comes to uh, trying to find peaceable solutions. You know, we, right. we see and, and, and we see all like sort of the, the, you know, blasting loud music and just noise and, you know, cutting off their power after they delivered milk to them so that, you know, the milk would spoil. Like, just everything they did 
you know, seemingly, like you said, intentionally to undermine what they thought they were going to get was just designed to piss them off, right? Because they, mm-hmm. they went in their guns blazing and they got shot. And what, they was like four dead on each side or, or roughly... So it, six know. branch Davidians and four... Uh, okay, or yeah, like yeah. That, yeah, so... But yeah, like they don't, it, it's not like, okay, our bad, like we both suffered losses, like let's de-escalate. It's like, no, we're going to fucking destroy you because we have the power of the U.S. government behind us. And we're none of us are going to be accountable. <laughs> exactly, right? And you're, you know, you think they only do this shit to, to poor black people. Well, you're fucking wrong. Like they'll do it to anyone if they feel like they're someone they can subjugate. So, yeah, I mean, it's just the the whole thing. I remember at the time I was, God, like, I guess a young teenager. And I remember this going on and all the things we were told on the news that, you know, they were abusing children, which turned out not to be true. Uh, You know, Koresh was obviously... uh, you know, having sex with with underage women, but the we were told that everyone in this they were this making it seem cult, like it was like a pedophile cult, yeah, right, right, and that was their justification for going in there and just start shooting everybody, right? And in the end, they murdered twenty five <laughs> children. So to yeah. say, oh, we had to we had to burn down the the whole building and murder twenty five children to save the children, like literally, it's like. Your, your Vietnam logic, where we're burning down the jungle to save the villagers, right? Like yeah. it's just insane imperialist logic, right? There's no justification for it. But I remember, you know, the standoff went on for what, 50, 52 days? Yeah. And like at, at the time, like I, it wasn't as though like this one event radicalized me, but I remember being very interested in current events in the news at a very young age. And I remember riding the bus home from school when I was. 13 or 14, whatever age I was. And I could hear it over the radio. They were talking about it. They were like announcing what had happened, you know, when the, when they, the compound was burning to the ground with dozens and dozens of people inside dying. They were reading it as like a live broadcast on the news. And I, I could barely hear it. It's like, you know, springtime, we got the windows on the buses down. It's, you know, dirt road. And I was pressing my my ear up to the speaker trying to hear what was happening because I was I was like, holy shit, the fucking whole thing's burning down? What? Right? And no other yeah. kid on that entire bus was fucking listening to it. <laughs> Nobody fucking gave a shit except for me, right? And I'm like, this is a fucking world event. This is the moment in history. And I'm the only one who <laughs> is, is uh, you know, 13 years old and gives a shit, at least on this yeah. bus, right? But yeah, I was galvanized by it. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm a little younger than you. I don't remember this event specifically. I think I was about uh, five, I think, when this happened. Uh, but ironically enough, I remember the OJ chase, which was the year after this, '94, um, and that might just be because that was a that was a one night that was like a couple hours that that took place over the course of you know it was a one yeah day event and it was on tv and everyone in the fucking world was watching that like that was the you know it every they cut away from the nba finals to to, to, to broadcast that it was like sure well you know and this 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 is stretched out on for so, so you know? long people exactly. kind of stopped paying attention it was like oh now what's happening now what's happening and then it's like oh there's a you know a, a a compound that houses 150 people that's on fire like it you know and it happened in the middle of the day too right mm-hmm. and everyone's like wait what happened and i think yeah. this was also one of the first huge events that was you know at the very beginning of of what we 
you know, are used to now, which is nonstop 24 hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. And by the time OJ happened, it was like, okay, now we, now we know how to yeah, cover this shit in a way where like you can't not know about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And the OJ thing also had, like, it was, it was the trifecta of uh, celebrity uh, sports sex and scandal and yes, murder so it's like okay we got all of those things you know and and the branch mm-hmm. davidians like they up until the point where they were attacked like there was no murder involved right mm-hmm. so it was a little a little bit outside of that that perfect trifecta that oj had mm-hmm. oh by the way i just I, I meant to mention this up top but the branch davidian uh sect uh, themselves are an offshoot of the Seventh Day Adventists. Who I don't know if you remember from the leftovers the the first scene of the third season. You know that the, the the group the people that would like stand on the roofs waiting for the end times. That's the Seventh Day Adventists. So that people they're that smoked offshoot. all the time. That was their whole thing. No, 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 not the not the guilty remnant. The the um, remember like the flashback scene to like the 1600s in the first episode of season three? Oh yeah, the yeah, chick no, that sta- stood on the roof. That those were the right. Seventh Day Adventists. That was the origin of the Seventh Day Adventists. That, and didn't that everyone scene. else just be like, "What are you doing on the fucking roof? Like, yeah. what are you? What's, what's well, and they and they kept prophesizing the end times, and it kept not coming. So they kept pushing the date back. And that's still what the Seventh Day Adventists do: is they have like an end times date, and then they. We'll have to amend it if it doesn't get like that's there, right? Uh, as far well, as I know, you know, like that's yeah, their you gotta fucking deal. Give people credit to to you know reshaping what their version of the end times uh, being <laughs> to just being only a hundred and fifty people. Like, okay, this is it. This is the whole world's ending. <laughs> like, okay, it's it's just you guys. It's not the other eight billion people. Like, they're they're fine. And like, nope, nope. This is this is it. This is what it was just, prophesized. It just reminds me of that scene in Ghostbusters where. He's got like where Bill Murray's got like the the psychics on his TV show, and he's like, "Really? You're, you're saying next year you don't want to give you don't want to give yourself a little buffer room after until after the book sells?" Like, you know? Valentine's Day, bummer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so good. Very underrated scene. Um, very much. Yeah. So, um, you know, it it it's just it was a very formative uh uh moment in in you know. U.S. Uh, political history and an anti-government sentiment, and you know it really inspired a lot of these right-wing militia types who you know we have no fucking love for. But I, like, it's a, it's a weird situation where it, it you know you really could look at it either way, and you kind of can you read into it and take from it whatever you want to in terms of like where you're gonna focus your your political anger. You know, like it it uh. The uh, Oklahoma City bombers like cited this and Ruby Ridge as like the inciting incidents for their uh, terrorist attack. Right. And it's four twenty Columbine, Hitler's birthday, fucking marijuana. Like it's just it's 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 the conflux of so many things. It is just bizarre because you have these these right wingers who are extremely anti government but extremely patriotic and. <laughs> And pro-military and pro-cops. You know, pro, and- love the cops, love the military, but also at the same time, they're like, get off my land. Like It's just, it's like yeah. the, the, the schism in their brain between what they consider to be the government or not the government like changes at, you know, at, at a moment's notice, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's... I get where their paranoia comes from because, you know, sure. like Ruby, Ruby Ridge was like the guy... 
they entrapped a guy that had nothing to do with any right wing militia because they just got lucky and found a, a dumbass that like they knew they could entrap. Right. And yep. they went after him and they were like, oh, he's the key to getting all these other right wing Nazi types. And like they didn't get in trouble. It was just this one guy and they shot his dog and they shot his fucking son. and They shot his fucking wife and then they mocked him for it. Right. They were like, throw the body out. And they, they apparently claimed they didn't know that they had shot his wife. So when they said, you know, throw, you know, let her go, let her, you know, bring her outside like they claimed that they didn't know that like she was already dead right yeah. so that just inflamed tensions even further but you know you're you're fucking serving a bench warrant and you go in there and you murder half a family what the what the fuck yeah. is i get it i get it i get that kind of oh you know yeah, even even these right-wing cattle ranch fuckers who uh took over the bird sanctuary in oregon <laughs> a couple years ago God, you know so they they had a guy who tried to drive his truck around a barricade and they just fucking shot him like he had his yeah. hands in the air and they just fucking shot the guy right and like i get he you know tried to run through a barricade but that's a car like he didn't hurt anybody you know nobody you always he didn't stop when we told him to stop so we had to execute him like what the fuck? That's I don't agree li- the with literal that guy. definition of fascism. Like I will kill you if you don't obey my every command. So like right. you're just you're just further giving these people fuel to never fucking give up their this. That's like you know that was like a mini uh like the early on siege of Waco where the six of them were killed. That was like a mini version of that where it's just like well yeah now they're not gonna fucking stop. You just killed one of them for no reason. Like you know why you know why if you would just be. <sighs> Yeah, diplomatic and maybe let the one guy through because who fucking cares like you may be able to resolve this peaceably but the fucking thugs that Literally. seek out jobs in, in, in law enforcement and in like this especially like tactical response and SWAT and ATF they want to fucking kill people like they're they're fucking psychos and murderers who just want an, an they're, excuse they're to do this shit. absolutely you know and, and I love the you know, sort of the the pivotal climax scene where, uh, you know, Michael Shannon's character gets reassigned and Mm -hmm. he says, listen, these people, you will not win over by force. They view any affront to them as a test of their faith. They will dig in. And it's like, like, you kind of think he should have told them that a little bit earlier. (laughs) Like maybe they could have fathomed it or processed it a little bit more. Like, but yeah, you know, like as, they as we, as they we see, to, they, do. they don't care about that. They want, they're just like, we got to show force. We got to bring out tanks. We got to blast music. The fucking audio track of like the car horns uh, and, and like dolphins squeaking mixed Goats together. being it's slaughtered. Like, and, yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the most like insane Dentist shit. Drills. Like why, <clears throat> if you you keep doing that, that psychological torture, the people you're trying to accost will just become they won't think clearly. They won't think what's in their best interest. They won't consider it surrendering. They're just going to get more irritated. So eventually you just realize that they're, they're not doing this for any logical reason. They're doing it just because it's a bunch of guys with their fucking dicks and their fucking guns that have the government behind them. And that's all it is. It's not a law enforcement issue anymore at that point. It's just 
assholes. It's just it's certainly fucking... not trying to keep the peace. Yeah, I mean that's no. you know if you want to you know serve and protect and all that bullshit that they claim. There, like there's that you know. uh, the, this great scene in the movie uh, Hearts and Minds, which is a, a documentary about Vietnam, where they're intercutting footage of you know troops being sent out to the battlefield of the jungles of Vietnam with this like eighty year old football coach in some you know rural town you know just uh having an emotional breakdown that the team's losing the game it's like halftime and he's like i don't even care about whether we win i just want you to go out there and kill those fuckers and it's like he's telling this to literal <laughs> like teenage boys like that that kind of mentality you know mm-hmm. and and seeing that reflected in this in this series uh with these guys that are just like yeah we don't we don't care about resolving this peacefully like we we're going to bring out this uh, internationally banned nerve gas, uh, and we're going to use it on children. And children can't have gas masks, so hopefully they'll come out, but we don't really care or not. If not, we'll kill them. And it turns out you fucking killed them. You killed most of them. Uh, the The entire siege, they, they got about 36, I think, 35, 36 people to come out, and they murdered 76 people, including, as you said, I think about 25 children. So, yeah. you know, a complete and abject failure um, of, of their mission and of their duty. And it's just, it, it's just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you watch a series based on true events, and it's, it's heartbreaking because you know how it's going to end. But at the same time, like, if it's made well enough, you almost kind of not forget, but, like, you get lost in the moment. You're like, oh, maybe this will work. Like, you know, it's just... It, it, I, that, You're that hoping for I the Tarantino about. ending yeah. where yeah. Sharon Tate doesn't get murdered somehow, <laughs> right? Brad Pitt's going to show up yeah, and save exactly. all the fucking British Davidians. Yeah, right. Uh, that's and you're almost kind of in the back of your head, like hoping for that or hoping maybe. Oh, maybe I misremember the entire entirety of the events of Wake Up. But yeah, and, and of course it doesn't happen. But um, and, and Gary, the FBI agent, is the um is kind of our avatar in that sense where it's just like, he's trying so fucking hard just be like, let's just fucking, you know, like he never says let's leave. Cause he, that's not something he could say. And he's you know, his job is to negotiate, but, uh, and, and you know, he does want Koresh to come out and Koresh, you know, won't come out cause he's fucking thinks he's the fucking, you know, Messiah or whatever. But, um, you know, if they would have just fucking left, everything would have been fine. Like you could have like, you know, come back later with a warrant when things have calmed down, you know, just people, I'm sure some people would have like, it just, it did not have to be the situation they got themselves into. And what it turned into was that they literally, uh, laid siege to Waco. And, you know, that's something that's illegal in international warfare. It's a war crime to do siege warfare, where you basically cut off resources from somebody and starve them out. Essentially. That's what you try to do is you, you know, you poison their water, you cut off their electric, you, you, you force them into such horrible conditions that they either will die or they will come out and then you can kill them, you know, in siege warfare. Or in this case, you can arrest them or kill them. (laughs) Um, and it's illegal in international, you know, warfare, yet the fucking federal government's doing it to American citizens. Like, right. Well, and, and, in that same vein, you know that gas they used, they it also CS gas, yeah, is is illegal. <clears throat> and I I love, <clears throat> pardon me, I love how they have the um, the sort of I mean he's he seems so somewhat like a right wing radio host. He's, he's sort more of like a libertarian, yeah. 
but he they do this great little like historic montage of footage where you know he's he's saying like you know uh philadelphia 1985 you know 1970 like citing all these times the uh, fbi used this flammable nerve gas mm-hmm. that caught fire and killed people you know and and saying like they whether they deliberately lit it on fire or not the fbi they know it's flammable right anytime you're like smashing walls down with a fucking tank there's there's metal there's nails there's shelves you know there's anything can can light a spark there's children's beds on the other side of that wall that you could have you know crushed them on like it's just yeah you know so so the idea that they're low they they must have started the fire themselves like they said over and over we don't want to die in here we have no intention. They were like, oh, well, they're just another, you know, a Jonestown massacre. Like, they wanted mm-hmm. to die. Like, no, they didn't. They, they 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 were not a bunch of people that were like, oh, yes, rapture us up. We're, we're a fucking suicide cult. Like, they weren't, uh, you know, putting their Nike shoes on uh, and heavens gating themselves up to the fucking, you know, chimney to the sky or whatever. Like, they clearly wanted to live. They were <laughs> stockpiling guns <laughs> to defend themselves from uh, this kind of thing, you know, and, and, and like Michael Shannon's character says, like, you know how the sheriff dealt with these people? He talked to them. He didn't yeah. come in there, didn't even carry a gun. He just talked to them. Right. And it's like, so what if they want to fucking stockpile weapons? Like they've na- made no threats to anyone. Like they're not it's legal <laughs> in this bumblefuck state, you know, like, in, in Texas, like seriously. it's legal to do that it's shit. Waco, Texas. If you don't have a gun, people think you're weird. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and it's just it's it's so it's so gross, like the way that that was handled. And I actually my one kind of my my few kind of qualms with the series are not even qualms, but like I wish they had delved more into it was, you know, number one, Koresh is is definitely I, I don't agree with the criticisms I've seen where people say that he got off easy because I feel like you could definitely see the true the kind of the true nature of him if you were looking for it, like the manipulations and stuff like that. Um, the, so the really... woman t- trying to type with her hand with a bullet in it, and he's just like, "Keep going!" Yeah. And he, like, won't that's, let her. That's like, the real rest. David Koresh. That was right. that was in that moment. You know, all his veneer drops, and you see what a piece of shit he. How he doesn't really care about these people, and he's just either insane or an egomaniac, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it's, a, so it's re- a combination. It's a combination. It, yeah. yeah, and, and <clears throat> I, I love the the nuance of the character, where you know the especially the scene that I know you love where, you know, they're, they're trying to get this generator running. Right. And it's, it's like, they've only got like 10 minutes of power that they can pull out of this generator. And Koresh is like, I know exactly what I want to do with it. And you're like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And he uses it to basically as a middle finger to the FBI and the ATF to, uh, you know, start up his rock band and play one song it blasted over their loudspeakers back at the FBI after being bombarded by the the FBI's loudspeakers. Yeah, and it's it's it, it's like the final scene of like the the penultimate episode, like episode five, right? Mm-hmm. And you you're totally fucking rooting for him in that moment, you know, for all his faults and all his manipulations and cucking other men's wives. Like you're just like, <laughs> yes, hey, that's that their right there fault for letting that happen. But yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> be like fuck you bro yeah and and you 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 know like that's that's a great fucking story that can make you root for 
the guy who you know is wrong, uh, you know, not not more so than the government, but the the guy you've been told for twenty five years, thirty years, was was this this terrible person that deserved to die along with his followers. You're like, no, I'm actually fucking rooting for this guy now. Mm-hmm. Fucking yeah. a. It was it was, and I mentioned this to you after we were when we were talking about it. It was very similar to the scene in Wolf of Wall Street, like the that last little bit of defiance that creeps in where it's like, well, you could do, you could resolve this easily oh, if you just did right. this, but the, then it's just that, that, you know, right. I'm not fucking leaving that, that moment, that speech that he gives, I'm not uh, fucking where he gets, I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> Everyone's fucking cheering. Um, but yeah, so and I, I love this scene and this is one of the only scenes in the story. And I want to talk a little later about the, the kind of truthfulness of the series. Cause it's actually very, uh, true to the events as they've been told by by people involved. One of the only scenes I couldn't find a uh, historical basis for, but it, it just is such a great way to end that penultimate episode where it's like, well, not only is he resigning himself to this face, but he's embracing it. And the song he picks uh, is I Still Believe, which is a song originally by The Call, this band The Call, which is kind of almost like a Christian like power pop or power rock group from the 80s. Right. Um, and and I didn't even know this was by them because I like I assume most people that saw this assume this was just you know shirtless saxophone players song from the Lost Boys like I just assumed that this was uh, that's where that song was originated but that was actually a cover of the Call song um, you know this is act this is the same uh, song for people that haven't seen the movie in a while that the saxophone player in the Lost Boys plays on the boardwalk as uh, which Michael is- first meets Star. <laughs> Right, right, which is which is also ironic because like that entire boardwalk also burned down, so it's kind of like a nice little crossover. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if you know the history of like what happened to the to, to that very very Santa Cruz famous is a rough set piece of from uh, from the Lost Boys. Yeah, and Santa Cruz is a very rough uh, town and city in California. Um, but actually, I think it is actually the murder capital of California, ironically enough. Really? Oh. Uh, yeah, no, it's a real, it's it's just a very I poor mean, and destitute. Fucking, fucking vampires. What can you say? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's the real reason. Like, yeah, they blame drugs, but we know the, re- we know the fucking truth, man. <laughs> you know, all the goddamn vampires. But no, so, uh, so I love that because I'm a huge fucking fan of the Lost Boys and of that song. And, you know, I just, I, so when he started playing that the first time I saw it, I was like, holy shit. But the lyrics of it are actually, uh, you know, professing like your faith in in defiance of like people trying to tell you that you're wrong. So it's actually it really ended up working out well in that scene and in context um, while also being a banger like that. That, you know, is just great. And Koresh's music career is another interesting thing because he was. I don't know if he was actually aspiring to be like some big time musician, but he actually wasn't a bad musician. Um, I, you know, you, you've heard, you heard in the intro of this episode, uh, his, uh, the, the song Madman in Waco. And he actually, that's him playing guitar and singing on that track. He's not right. uh, a, a bad musician, but uh, it, it was just, it was just, it, it's just one of those interesting, weird quirks of his, of, of his character and of his, of, David Koresh, the person. It is he, interesting because because usually cult leaders are failed musicians. If you know Charles Manson, yeah, Charles uh, Manson. could only play two chords, and that's why he was like, <laughs> "If I can't be a fucking rock star, if I can't be the next Jim Morrison, I'm going to start a fucking sex cult." So yep. uh, it, it's it's interesting that Koresh actually was a good musician and still started a sex cult. <laughs> 
you know in some ways it might make it easier though to start a sex cult because you, you like you if you really build up your reputation you know look, look at jared leto like jared leto is like is david koresh without like it if david koresh didn't have money like you know that or i'm sorry if, if uh, jared leto right, didn't have right. money he would be david koresh basically with his, his fucking well, cult you know island. it's it's usually like you know if you if you can get the women you don't have to be the rock star Right, like most True. people get get really good at playing guitar because they can't get laid, and that's why they have so much free time. Right, so it's yeah. weird to to be. It's good literally the only reason anyone has music. ever fucked Keith Richards is because he's a, a, <laughs> right. a you know multi multi billionaire, right. even though he I mean, has a face like, like a catcher's like, Jimmy Page was not a good looking guy, so he got really no, good at guitar. No. Robert Plant was a good looking guy, and he was just like, All right, I can just you'll just fucking pick me because I got you know, <laughs> I'll just come in two minutes before we start the show and just sing a little bit and which, leave. Which, like, <laughs> literally, like, that's kind of how he got hired for the band. Uh, you uh-huh. know, the, the, the new Yardbirds was the original name of Led Zeppelin, and Jimmy Page was just like, Hey, what about that kid? And Robert Plant's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm 18. Sure, okay. <laughs> that was like, that was it. That was it. Yeah, just lucked just into it. To be a fucking, you know, amazing singer, but it's just right. crazy how stuff like that happens sometimes. Um, yeah, I actually found the lead singer Fallout Boy in, in like working at a, a Borders cafe. I, I remember reading. It's like just some random random events that lead to interesting, uh, you know, things like that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so so it was just there's just a funny thing, and I I really enjoyed like the little musical interludes in this, like the opening scene in the bar where Koresh meets David Thibodeau, and they I, would they play like My Sharona, I think, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. That was exactly, good. Was Wait, fun, which fun, sounds you know? creepy as hell to to hear you know David Koresh sing the lyrics to My Sharona because it's just like. You know, ooh, my little pretty. You're like, okay, you yeah, married yeah. a 14 year old. What are you? T- ugh, just like, <laughs> no, wrong. Um, but yeah, again, like, who knows if they ever even played that song? He probably played hundreds of different songs in his time. But like the, you know, the screenwriters to choose that song is the song we hear. Like, mm-hmm. it clearly it has meaning, and it's meant to creep us out a little bit. Yeah, I feel. I I've, I think I read that they did play stuff like that, like '80s kind of pop hits when they did, right? You know, their little bar gigs, and it's it's just interesting because it, it's another way I think to disarm people to who he is as a person, to kind of be like, oh well, he's not a he's not a lunatic, he's not like a fundamentalist nut job who doesn't believe right. in like music or birthdays or uh, the the other thing I love the fucking lawnmower man that like the, his favorite movie was the oh. lawnmower man. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a piece of shit fucking movie and so i remember it bad. i remember it watching it when it first came out and i was like uh, you know it's it's based on a stephen king short story that's like a novella it's like 12 pages long it has nothing to do with the actual movie nothing the nothing. movie is just like oh what if cybering was a thing you know like what <laughs> and the worst i love the cgi the, you've ever seen right the worst CGI. And I love like the FBI guys are watching it going like, I don't know what he sees in this movie. This, this is crap. And it's like, yeah, you're right. This movie is fucking shit. Lawnmower yeah. Man is a piece that of shit. That was true movie. also, by the way. That, that David Koresh's favorite movie was The Lawnmower Man. He would like, that actually was from, I think, Gary Nessner's book that he told him to watch that movie. Right. Like what, what, what meaning have you gleaned from this movie? Mm-hmm. It's not about anything. Like literally like the, the Stephen King short stories about a, a gardener who uh, mutilates and cuts the, the genitals off people and puts them in bird baths. And it's like, none of that is in that movie, it, which is, I mean, equally disturbing is that movie, but yeah. it's like the movie's not about anything. 
That like, was oh, from, here's, yeah. <laughs> it was from King's Coke days where he would just like do a line and write like a batshit like ten page short story and compile whatever like, I 50 come up with all this cocaine. <laughs> Yeah, not, hey, what, not if cut, what if I cut balls off and put them in a bird bath and just like, you know, uh, someone shows up, uh, FBI guy, and looks at that and goes, I wonder what that guy's kink is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so I, it, it was just funny because there were a lot of details like that that I, I, when I did research, I found out were actually true to the events. And I, I do appreciate the fact that the series didn't really take a ton of liberties with the plot or with, you know, what happened. Um, to these people and it you know it's it's rare to see in, in an adaptation of, of real events like this but it also shows you how fucking nuts like i i you know i had a similar feeling when we watched uh people versus oj simpson where it's like you don't need to make shit up the, the, the real life story of this is insane like the, the the details and the way that it happened it was like perfectly plotted for like a fucking hollywood movie or like a you know miniseries just just right, the insanity right. of all these events and like the cops like sh- you know, stealing the camera guys, ca- like footage of the of the initial siege and things yeah, like that. I mean, it's like we know that all that shit happens that kind well, of yeah, shit all the know. time. You know, I mean, the guy that filmed uh, Eric Garner's murder, where he was strangled to death in broad daylight, yeah. is the only one who's you know went He's to still jail, in jail for that now, shit. I think, yeah, 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 for the crime of filming it. Um, yeah, I mean, just just the so much of the, that OJ story where it's like, Hey, what if John Travolta just went over there and put the glove on himself and no one noticed? It's like, <laughs> is that even possible? Yeah, it happens. It have fucking yeah. happened. Like, no, there, yeah, there's footage of it from court TV, you know, from 1994 <clears throat> or whatever. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's insane. It's uh, it really is, you know, truth is strange in the fiction. Like they always say, like sometimes, Um, but I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed of, it. Yeah. One of the things that uh, is sort of tangential, <clears throat> that I remember at the time happening. Oh, actually, I don't remember at, at the time. I, it was just a couple years later that I got uh, really into Bill Hicks, right? Because you know, Tool yeah. put out that album that had Bill Hicks and the album artwork, and it's like, who's this guy? And like, you're you know, 16 years old, right at the age where you're like getting into subversive stand-up comedy, and you're like, oh, Bill Hicks, another dead hero. And uh, he actually, Bill Hicks went to Waco with a camera crew and was there when the FBI was, was basically, you know, burn it down. And Bill Hicks had, had, you know, was, was there and you, you can look it up. There's footage of it. Um, and you know, when the, when the tanks are like injecting this nerve agent, there's one shot where the tank backs out from like having like, it's, you know, gas nozzle, uh, uh-huh. in the wall and it backs out and the the gas it's injecting is is on fire, and it's on fire coming out of the tank, right? So people initially thought, well, the, they were just shooting fire into like it, napalming well, them or something, yeah, right. But it was basically like there was it was you know they were injecting so much gas that as they backed up, that gas was was ignited. Now the series doesn't really conclusively show how it got ignited. They show that one of the lanterns get gets knocked over. And then Koresh's, like, right-hand guy puts out that one lantern. But, like, we know that the power was cut, so they must have had other lanterns. So it's sort of implied that, like, this, this, you know, they don't blame either side for starting the fire. But they, they clearly show that, like, if you're knocking down walls, anything could start that shit on fire. Right. And pumping in, you know, very flammable uh, poison gas into this, into this compound. 
Well, and that's that was one of the biggest points of contention with the whole Waco story. And they, you know, they didn't done invest. FBI did an internal investigation, which, you know, LOL, like they're going to fucking blame the FBI for it. But they their conclusion in 2000 was that the Branch Davidians intentionally set fire to three parts of the compound. But like you were saying, if they're injecting this fucking gas into a uh, powerless um, compound that where a bunch of gas lamps are lit they probably fucking set these fires themselves like by injecting this like there's why would the why would the, it makes no sense for the branch davidians to have intentionally lit the compounds on fire if they wanted to kill themselves they would have just shot themselves like they don't right. want to burn and, and, to, like why would they want to burn to death why were they smashing the walls down when if all they wanted to do to inject this this nerve gas w- they could have just you know targeted the windows and inject it there, and you know, glass isn't gonna strike a spark anywhere. But yeah. you you crash a window down, like there's at least there's nails in there that you're you're you know smashing apart, plus whatever else is on the other side of that wall. So the idea or the notion that you know we we didn't know that this was flammable, like of course they did, and tearing the walls down, like of course that could cause and a they spark. just did that of for their own fucking ignited. enjoyment like they didn't right. need to do that they, it was the same with running over his fucking co- you know that was a 68 oh. commander they even make those oh. anymore <laughs> that is my favorite line from because i mean that that last episode is just bereft it's nothing yeah, but pain yeah. and misery but that's that's the one laugh line that they threw in there. You are taking it's things so away from us that cannot be replaced like that 75 El Camino out there. I was just like, that is the funniest <laughs> fucking line. Because <laughs> it's clearly like he's he's like wrapped up in, in, you know, writing this seventh seal, whatever manifesto. But in the yeah. middle of all the tension, he's just like, my car. <laughs> like, and you feel so for good. him. He's like, that was, you know, fucking El Camino, whatever. I hate cars, but like, Literally, like they they were just destroying just all of their yeah, no cars, reason. just for again psychological warfare. Yeah, they ran over the people's graves at the end. The little grave markers they set up for the people that died. like it's just they're just fucking thugs. Like you know, and this is again like and and that actually reminds me of the other aspect of the series that I I, I wish they'd delve more into is Janet Reno's involvement uh, and Janet Reno, who was the um, attorney general at the time. Uh, which who's another just right wing ghoul that the fucking Clinton people unleashed on us in the nineties. Uh, this was really her baby. She wanted to appear tough. And, you know, there's one scene that features her where the, uh, the leader of the, uh, the, the operation and the, uh, the jackboot guy, the tactical leader go and convince Janet Reno to let them see, to, to let them, uh, you know, uh, and enter and use po- use the poison gas. Uh, and they basically, I don't know how true the scene is because neither Gary nor David Thibodeau were in the room for this, but they say that the, they lied to Janet Reno to justify uh, getting her to let them do this by saying, right. oh, well, they're abusing kids in there. We have to stop them. I don't Which know how I, true that is, you know. Yeah, I almost guarantee those guys didn't fly back to Washington, D.C. to personally meet with her, but they needed to have a scene where they were together so they were and she that was way. a she was a, a thuggish type like she like the, I, she was always known to be like uh, like we need to send a message with these with these right. like you know jagoffs we need to go in like she was like kind of the one i think that was really pushing them to do this so i don't i wonder how much of that was just you know 
It, it just the, the the Janet Reno aspect. It was, was fairly expository. Like yeah. more than likely, that was it was a series of phone calls they had, sure, and they sure. had to like write a scene out of those phone calls to make it very concise. Well, and, you know, yeah, because uh, there's nothing that they say in that scene that couldn't be conveyed via phone. And the phone, idea yeah. that they would fly from Waco back to DC to meet with her yeah, personally not, not <laughs> seems a little unrealistic. Right? Um, well, but I, lo- I love when he's, he's like, oh, they're, you know, they're, they're st- we have ongoing intelligence. They're still abusing kids. And it's like, looks at the other guy and he's like, shrugs, <laughs> like, okay. Like, how does Janet Reno not pick up on that energy? You know, like, we yeah, see it. Yeah, exactly. Do, is she really? Like, she's that fucking clueless that she doesn't, can't tell when these guys are fuck, fucking lying to her, you know? Well, but you know, and this, but this also... It, a lot of ways reminds me of the way the government justifies a lot of the shit like that, that they do like this, where it's like, yeah, we know they're lying and they know they're lying, but we'll all participate in this bullshit because we, we care about achieving our ghoulish, you know, goals. Like you look at like the war in Iraq and the way that, you know, everyone in fucking Congress knew the Bush administration was lying. Joe Biden admitted because his brain is leaking out of his fucking head uh, in an interview a couple of weeks ago that like, oh, yeah, we knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. Well, he claimed that he thought that there were weapons of mass destruction for years, and that's why he voted to uh, invade Iraq. So either he's lying then or, you know, he's lying now. And I don't think he's lying now because he's not, you know, c- cognitive enough to lie anymore. So he is admitting, right. yeah, no, of course, we all participated in this lie and voiced this lie to the point where we almost believe it. And that's the way that we justify our um, monstrous actions. And that's what the government always does when it comes to, you know, carrying out the atrocities that they and, carry and out. And even when there's not a deliberate lie, you still have institutions that have no check and balance. You know, like when when the U.S. shot down an Iranian uh commercial airliner with mm-hmm. like 200 people on board i may actually it was more than that it was uh, something like 280 there was no there was no plan to shoot down a civilian airliner it was just they were viewing every aircraft in the air as an enemy and you know everyone on the bridge of that ship that they fired the missile from uh was afraid to question anyone else and say, Hey, we think that might be a civilian aircraft, you know, commercial aircraft, not an enemy. You know, it was, it was, you know, it was higher than any fighter jet would be. That was a threat. It was climbing an altitude. It was on a known commercial airline route. Right. And nobody who knew all that stuff was, was, you know, decent or moral brave enough to say like, you know, raise their hand and say, Hey, what the fuck are we doing? We're about to launch a missile and kill all these people. Like, this is not a real threat, right? So you have institutions that even when there's no malice, there is a, a fear of speaking out and doing the right thing. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah, it, it's just really, um, you know, I, I, somebody uh, on Twitter said that this movie is like, this movie will like turn you into a like this could turn somebody into a libertarian like this is like libertarian you know uh brainwashing basically this series and you know without the context that i think we have and a lot of people who you know because this was a very popular uh series in leftist circles like that you know on twitter and stuff like that that we're kind of part of um and i think we all come to it with the background that we have but if you don't and you're just kind of a casual observer of politics or, of you know, the way that things 
operate, you look at this and you could easily be swayed into the whole, well, you know, fuck the government. We need to fucking arm up. And like, it's, it's just, it's very, um, it's just unfortunate because everything that we're advocating for, you know, especially when it comes to things that the government is actually supposed to do to fucking help a population, like provide healthcare and provide, uh, means, you know, just more broadly speaking, just provide means for people. That's what the government really should be there for, um, is to take care of of society. Uh, it's hard to make that case when the government continues to do shit like this, even under, you know, quote unquote, left wing, you know, uh, uh, administrations and obviously there's nothing remotely left-wing about the Clinton administration but it, 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 it it's this is like the the two-front war that socialists and communists and leftists are always fighting when we're trying to convince people of uh, what the government is supposed to do and what the government is capable of doing what the government does in plenty of other countries around the world you know we, we talk about Cuba a lot and you know other countries like that where they actually fucking take care of the fucking citizens. And I'm sure that, that this is not something that, you know, they have to deal with, but it's just, it makes our, our jobs doubly hard when, when they do shit. Well, like the this. state codifies violence, whether it's a left wing or right wing government, you know, like it, this, yeah. this, this happened under Clinton, right? Clinton's supposed to be liberal left, whatever, and hardly was, but uh, you know, it, it's what, what did Obama do? Started eight new bombing campaigns, Yep. In eight new countries. That we know of. Uh, you know, uh, deported more people than any president in history. Uh, tripled the amount of uh, ATF raids of medicinal marijuana uh, shops over crazy, what yeah. Bush had done prior to that. Um, you know, jailed the most whistleblowers in U.S. history. So, the, you know, the, it, it's there's a the the state has its own inherent violence, you know, it has its own interests and there's no check on that. So if, if there's no consequence to an institution for using brutal, awful violence, it's going to do it. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. the, 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 the one Michael Shannon you have saying, Hey, let's not be jerk. Let's give him, you know, another week to write his manifesto and they'll come out peacefully is always going to be, eventually overruled by the guy that's like, no, Those I people like, don't we've last. got tanks. What did we get yeah. these tanks for? If we're not going to fucking use them. Right. Like that, that logic, that, that instinct for people, you know, the worst among us who are in positions of power is always going to be there regardless of ideology. Yeah. Yeah. And when that's that whole, like, you know, the, the whole kind of a cab, like all cops are bastards sentiment and people will be like, Oh no, well, I know this one guy and he was a great cop and he did this right. and he would never, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, what those it's... number one, those people are few and far between, but more importantly, they don't last. They wash out because they can't, they can't change a fundamentally yeah. corrupt and broken, you know, shitty institution or that's they get designed. They just get hazed out or they get fired or, you yeah. know, it's just, it's like you got too close to this one. Click, line dead. Yep. You know, exactly. it's, it's yeah, like, fucking look, look at Gary, even Gary Nestor in this fucking thing. He's like the only one with any semblance of sense and they fucking remove him because it's like, no, well, it's time to be fascist. Like we're going to do our thing and we don't need you around right, saying, right. Like, Cause he, they, he was the on the verge of warning them about when they were going to actually go in there with the <clears> gas. <throat> right. So, yeah. 
you know, it, it's 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 the Serpico thing. You know, like here, yeah. here's the one cop that won't take bribery money, and he's the one they shoot in the face because they don't yep. trust. <laughs> like you got the one honest cop on the force, and the rest of the cops are like, nope can't trust an honest cop <laughs> yeah. so right and, and and again like it's not about any one individual it's about these institutions it's about the institution uh that has no check and balance right like you're you're mm-hmm. it, i'm amazed there's not more police shootings <laughs> to be yeah. frank you know i'm afraid no. the you know atf and fbi and, and that's that's the tragedy of this series it's like like ruby ridge literally the same people from that were involved in this and didn't learn anything. They didn't learn anything from River Ridge and they went and did it on a much larger scale. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, like I, I love, again, I love the, the, the sort of the, the libertarian right leaning uh, radio host because like you, you get to have that sort of meta narration from this character uh, and you don't disagree with anything he says, but you can see how like, well, this is true. You know, and then it's like, well, if this is true, then what else don't I know? And you go from, you know, Bill Hicks going there and saying this is bullshit. Now you've got like a guy like Alex Jones that kind of started in the same place, but now is a total fucking fringe lunatic. So you see that path of how people get radicalized by, uh, you know, very unnecessary state violence to becoming almost the, the, the same thing, but but looking at it as though they're opposed to it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. That radio host, by the way, I, I could have sworn that it was the same guy um, as 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 the, the the guy in Stranger Things, the conspiracy nut, but it's not. He really just looks like him. Uh, I, I had to look that up as we were talking about him. But he, he this guy is actually from uh, people that watched Lost. He was one of the he was Stu. He was like one of the dickhead uh, Dharma Initiative guys when they go back to the seventies. He's like the leader of the. But in any event. Um, yeah, I, I really thought he he was an interesting uh, kind of framing device for a lot of this. You know, like you were, I think we were talking about off air. Like he was, a, he was really good at framing the public sentiment of of you know the the like the way people were viewing this and the way the general public because he was not you know like a hardcore right wing militia type, but it was right. just like anyone with a fucking brain looks at this and is like, this is not right. Like what they're doing is not right. I, I, I love how. How good of a radio voice he has, too. Like, yeah. he <laughs> clearly did, you know, like tried to adopt the most radio, radio friendly voice possible. You know, when he's like, let's not focus on the things we don't know, let's just focus on what we do know. Yeah. You know, and then he like goes on to, you know, talks about the nerve gas and everything. It's just, it, it's, it's such a perfect affectation too and also you know the, the scene where he goes out to the compound himself with the lawyers <laughs> and totally fucking owns the fbi and it's like oh well you can't uh you know like we're, we're here to see our clients it's like well you can't uh, invoke uh you know habeas corpus unless they're unless they're uh they've been uh, detained. He's like, oh well, if they're not detained, then we'll bring in buses and we'll take them out of here. And they're like, okay, <laughs> checkmate. <laughs> so, just just little little scenes like that where you you yeah. see the you know the, the the tiny ways that they were trying to still struggle and, and you know find a way out of the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think you know we we pretty much hit what we wanted to hit. Um, anything was there anything else you wanted to mention about the series or we we think uh, we all the, you know uh, I just I I feel like the Again, if you if you make a show good, you always want to see a little bit more. 
right? And sure. I, I feel like they they definitely focused on the male characters the most, right? And I would like to have seen more of the women in their plight. You know, they had a couple of scenes. Melissa where, Benoist's character was really good in her short, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I mean, literally, like, who, who is, if, if anyone was being victimized there, it was women who were essentially being subjugated and turned into, you know, little baby ovens, right? And to make Koresh's character more sympathetic, I think they had to not focus as much on that. And in fairness, they, they really should have had a little bit more time with that to really see what that was like. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, maybe those scenes were shot in, in the editing room. They were like, no, it's it's like it it it, it makes it made it too imbalanced where you're you're going to side with the FBI more, right? But ultimately, you get to the end, and it's like literally there's babies asphyxiating from this fucking nerve gas, right? And and you can't like they said you can't you know they don't make a, a gas mask for you know for children, right? So ultimately, mm-hmm. it's it's there's no comparison. There's just no comparison between, you know, who was right and who was wrong in this case. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, what do you, what would you give this, uh, out of five, uh, hammer and sickles? Uh, you know, it was a mini series that wasn't really hyped up to begin with. It just kind of like, Hey, we know you're all under quarantine. Uh, we're <laughs> Netflix. Here's a thing we bought. And then it like rocketed to like the top ten of on on Netflix, which is apparently a thing now. Um, you know, I, I for a mini series for a mini series, I give this five out of five. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it five out of five. Also, uh, and I, oh, I no, major also with just it. real quick shout out to John Leguizamo because like oh, I yeah, haven't he seen great. him. <laughs> right like he's the informant and he's kind of like hey like I, I i sorry i brought this gun like i know you guys like guns but they're they're like this, you can't bring this gun in here like you can't do that like totally <laughs> fucking accept him knowing that he's the informant and yeah. he's completely just like i i fucked up like you people are fine <laughs> like just leave them alone like, and yeah. you know he, he's sort of written out like you don't see him at all i don't think in the last episode but uh, just did a great job of like helping to humanize these people by being a skeptic that's sort of won over, uh, but you know, not for religious reasons, but just because like, hey, they're fucking, they're nice to him. They're just nice. And they're like, hey, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. you gotta sing, you gotta dance. We're having a wedding. <laughs> He's also based on a real guy who they literally had, and and it. That's there's another thing. I was like, well, obviously, this is movie. You know, this is Hollywood shit right here. But no, they literally had a guy move in to to a fucking like a house across from them in this like the middle of this like abandoned fucking <laughs> field, and they're just like, oh yeah, no, he's I'm just your new neighbor. I I'm a, I'm I'm a rancher, and my friends right. are ranchers, and I oh I, <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> Say, so my buddies and me were having a little little wager, and how many cattle can you fit on? He's like, I don't fucking know, and he's like, well, we know one thing: that guy's not a cattle rancher. Like, yeah. I love that little that. Sort of but that, but that guy really was uh, did do that and did try to kind of warn them that like, hey, they know you're coming, like you don't need to do this. Right. And he was kind of subjugated after that, so that was pretty true to to life also. So, but yeah, it was great, great little uh, you know kind of cameo from him or you know little uh, small performance, but good performance by him. So that was, yeah, that was cool yeah, to see. Absolutely, God, there was yeah. one more thing I was going to mention. I I had it in my head and I just lost it. So. 
<sighs> oh well, fuck it. This was good. This was a yeah. great series. Kind of came out of nowhere because we, you know, we didn't didn't hear anything any hype from it because it came out to very little fanfare. I think you know, by Paramount has a streaming service. Like I don't even know fuck Paramount existed still, but yeah, uh, yeah. no. And and the guy uh, Thibodeau, I just read an article that he's he's petitioning. Netflix to do like an actual documentary series on this. Like, you know, they, you, you have made so much money that, yeah. from the, this docudrama, like do a real documentary on this, you know, like you could fucking, I mean, if you can fucking do tiger King and make it a you know billion dollars from that, like clearly this is another story that needs to be heard. Yeah. And hopefully by kind of a neutral observer, somebody who's not like a super pro, like, like right wing, like like uh, sovereign citizen type. We don't want one of those people. But we also don't want like a, oh, you know, like the 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 Clintons were great and these people were lo-. like. I just want somebody who's like kind of a an actual documentarian, basically, to to look sure. at these events and try to lay them out because because you you know we've not really gotten an unbiased account because you can't really trust any of the the governmental investigations into this because they're never gonna you know. Uh, condemn the, their own actions like that's just you know not until everyone not who was involved is dead yeah they don't dead they don't for do 90 that. years or whatever um but that's i mean i think that's why this series already worked so well because it was based on a book from somebody who was in the fbi and a book from somebody who was in the compound yeah right and it's a really and they, good blending of those two yeah yeah i mean you know i'm sure like the the, the football coach tactical guy uh, he's like, I should have wrote my own book about what really hit. Like, I'm sure he's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, of course. trying to he probably fucking his... hated this, but that guy, that guy can't write a book. If he could, he wouldn't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. No, just crayons and fucking, you know, <laughs> holding the, th- holding the thing in his thumb. Like, there's you know, like a, this. oh man. So th- there's, there's a, a book that was written by a, a Iraq war general, a U.S. Mm-hmm. general, it came out in I think I want to say like 2003, and it was the title of the book. It's just like it's him in his uniform on the cover, and the title of the book was originally um, "Why I Love God, Football, and the Iraq War." <laughs> and they, I I looked it up recently. This dumbass yeah. title of a book, and it they changed it. It no longer said the Iraq War. It was like. Uh, why I love God, the military, and football. Like, so they just took Iraq War out of the fucking. T- they changed the title of the book because Whoopsies, the war yeah. was a fucking giant goddamn mistake. So that's the kind of guy who you know wants to burn down the Waco compound and still thinks he can write a book. Is like, oh, I the the title was kind of an oopsie. <laughs> and I guarantee you that guy's probably advocating for war with Iran right now. <laughs> like you would you'd be the oh, first one to be like, oh yeah, let's go in there and fucking right, take those. Right. You know. What did you learn from your last uh mistaken book title? Not a goddamn thing. <laughs> Hoorah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that pretty much does it for us uh this week. We uh you know, there wasn't really anything going on in politics, and we've wanted to cover this for a while, so we figured we kind of, in lieu of our normal weekly political coverage, we would do this uh, instead. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it's a rough time in politics right now. There's not a lot going on. We're all fucking stuck <laughs> yeah. in our houses. Yeah, like- as, as a respite from our current pandemic, we chose to uh, review a series <laughs> about one of the worst tragedies in U.S. history, you know, just as, as some relief. <laughs> Some light, yeah, some light listening, basically, for you this week to take your minds off of the horrors of of modern day America. (laughs) 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we will, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, if you want to support the show, uh, we, uh, have a Patreon, patreon.com slash move left. We have merch available at tinyurl.com slash move left merch. Um, merch. We have a, <laughs> we have a uh, Facebook. Can't not do it. Can't not do I it. I know. I know. Uh, we have a Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash move left idiots. I am on Twitter at move underscore left. And I'm on Twitter. It's Bike Slutty. Yeah. And we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>